This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Vera Cruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. What is going on to the Big Vitoites, the PWCites, the Hamenites, the Israelites, and of course for this episode of the PWR Podcast at the PWSL Networks at Powerbeam.com, the ECWites. You know who you are, the original ECW fans, the ones from the mid-90s to 2001, the original ECW, the one that, the ECW that was called Eastern Championship Wrestling. We are dedicating this show to the original ECW fans, and you know what? I am an original ECW fan because I found ECW on my TV in 1995. So I'm ingrained. I am loyal. This company has been defunct since 2001, and don't get, get me started with WWE, CW. I don't count that bullshit. I count the one-night stand from 2005, but I don't count that bullshit from 2006 to 2010. Even TW even knows I don't count that WWE, CW jargon bullshit, but neither here nor there. But this show, this episodic episode is dedicated to the original ECW fans. And before we even get into the show, I got to introduce myself because I am vain like that. You know, I'm going to hell because I need that vanity. I need all that uh, attention towards moi, the magnanimous one, towards moi, the studly one, and towards moi, the glorious one. The only objective man, I haven't said this in a while, but the only objective man in the IWC, YWC, the only objective man in this pod being punditry, the only objective man on Facebook and Twitter and uh, the meta universe and Getter and all those uh, Republican and uh, liberal uh, Twitter sites or whatever the case may be, social media sites, your friend and mine, the Professor Chababa Cruz, and of course, <laughs> always riding with me, my ride or die, for the PWR podcast, the liberal conservative, the conservative liberal, the man with a thousand scars on his head, Dr. Frankenstein himself, Mr. Wonderful. Yes, he is Mr. Wonderful. Chicks dig scars. Google it. 
There's a sexual fetish where women lick scars off people's heads. It's a good thing. I'm just giving it, I'm just giving the info to my main man, Mr. Wonderful, the iron stomach one from the dum dum duo and idiot. Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? Well, I always love it when you say you're the only one that's objective when I'm sitting right here with you. Like 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 I'm not. Come on. I rip on them all equally. Second, uh, my favorite part of all that was you saying your friend and mine about yourself. Of course. <laughs> I'm everybody's friend and my I'm my own friend. I'm a, I'm a third person friend. A masturbating uh, the the uh, Eric Benet of masturbation. That's the professor right there. You know, me and Pamela have been together for 44 oh, lovely years. It's been like a great... It looks like my eyes busted up right here. This is where it hurts, too, but I didn't notice it looking all puffy and stuff like that. Well... No, no, no you're okay. I, I think it's the lighting. The lighting on yeah, your could screen be. might be doing Well, that. I waited to watch this episode, even though it's 45 minutes. That's why I know I can wait to the midnight hour, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Is that Wilson Pickett? Damn, um, you like OJ. Uh, so, young OJ, pre-criminal OJ, Hertz commercial OJ. Wait, anyway, wait a, wait a bit, wait a bit. I, well, Keep, wait, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up. You fell asleep. But anyway, but before we even get to you fell asleep or you was, you know, what, you was uh, doing your Spanish lessons or you was reading a great novel, because I know you I are not that a, today and the Bible. That too. Oh, praise God. But anyway, you did all that, but you did not watch or maybe didn't pay attention to this special. No, I watched it. I rewound it. I rewound it. That's why okay, but that, that's good, but I have to I have to tell the, the reflectionites what are we doing? What are we we reviewing? Because this is very prevalent in 2020 deuce. We are reviewing ECW wrestling from February of 1996. Of course, T.W., again, he, he didn't watch the product. He admits he didn't watch the product because he had stereotypical information from people, from other, from other wrestlers or whatever the case may be, neither here nor there. He does regret not giving it a chance. But if he, would, if he knew the professor back in the 90s, I would have convinced him and he would have loved it. He would have had the ECW shirts. He would have had the RBD shirts. He would have had the Sabu shoes. He would have had a mantra. He would have been collecting a lot of ECW stuff on his wall first before he collected everything else. But that's neither here nor there. But we're, we're talking about ECW from 1996. And, and TW, what, what were you saying that you, you watched it, you didn't pay attention, you have questions? I, I, never, I never knew how to watch it. Oh, I watched this show. No, no, I got questions about this episode. But um, mm -hmm. I, I hate to tell you, slightly wrong, because in 96 I was in the business, and when you're in the business... You don't buy shirts from other wrestling promotions and wrestlers. So I would not have been buying the swag, if you will. But it's funny, and I'm going to guess you're going to know why. Um, not how the show starts off. Maybe it did. Did it start off with a match or did it start off with that big thing that you probably is the reason you picked it? No, actually, it started off with a little promo with uh, okay. Missy right. Hyatt and oh, no, Sandman. No, no, no. I know that. But, mm -hmm. but there's... The first match is yeah. It started off with that match, the drizzling shits of a match. With mm -hmm. I, I thought the big guy in there was nine one one, but it wasn't nine one one. It was the Brew Crew or the Crew Bad or Bad Crew and some the Bad Crew. 
Judge Dredd against D Dino Sandoff, oh, Donnie right. Allen, and the Dirt yeah. Bike Kid. All right. So it was George. So I personally know Judge Dredd. That's what was confusing me. I was thinking Judge Dredd was 9-11. I actually mm -hmm. know Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd wrestled with me all the time around here. Big Rudos fan. I never mm -hmm. wrestled him. Uh, he looks terrible in that match. His gear was terrible. But I literally thought it was 9-1-1 the whole time. And then later on, there's footage well, of 9-1-1. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, that's different. But that match right there, because it was three job guys, dirt bike kid or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, they kill him. They, they, the bad crew made the nasty boys look nice. But even worse, your boy comes out mm -hmm. and just destroys everyone with a cane. And every single cane shot. Was not safe. It was not nice. It was stiff, and he laid them jobbers out. And I'm sitting there going, I wonder if those jobbers even knew those canes were coming because he kind of hit them after the fact because he cleared the ring of the bad the the bad crew, whatever the hell they were called. Which I'd never heard of those guys before, and the fans are booing the entire time. Well, you know what, TW, you know why I picked this episode because the opening interview that well. Well, the opening promo of Missy Hyatt saying, you know, mommy needs something, you know, it gets the 18 to 34. Explode. Right. It makes the big stick explode for the 18 to 34 year old male demographic. But that's neither here nor there. It's apropos, TW, because, you know, a couple of days ago, well, about, about a week ago, for all the Reflectionites out there, for the seven that go strong, and TW has accused the seven of you Reflectionites that listen week in and week out that you are AEW fans for life. But a pay-per-view happened, TW. You might have watched it, you might have not, or you might have read the results. AEW Revolution. Now, the reason I pick ECW, TW, is because I want to at least... Bring a, bring the AEW fanboys who probably won't like me, but you can find me on my Twitter. That's PWSOPROF, but that's neither here nor there, TW. You know that. But right. the AEW fanboys need a reality check. And the reason I say that is even this episode, you even talk about how the fans were against the opening, pro, the opening match, match with the bad crew and all that stuff. But that's just apropos, TW, because would you agree – that today's, you know, fans who hate the WWE are suffering and, and they kind of gravitated towards AEW. Nothing wrong with gravitating towards the brand you like. You know, there are WWE people that are for life and they won't watch anything else. And there are AEW people who are for life and they won't watch the WWE and vice versa. You know this. Right. But both fandoms are suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Would you agree with that assessment, TW? Because yes. they are so, like, you know, they're so into their promotion that they cannot acknowledge, not like Roman Reigns' acknowledgement, but they can't acknowledge, TW, the flaws in the companies. You know, WWE has the flaws. We pointed out some, we pointed out some of the times. AEW has flaws, but the AEW fans are so blinded with their Stockholm Syndrome, that they don't want to point it out. And the difference between an AEW fan on 2020 Deuce Reflection Nights and an ECW fan like myself, moi, from 1996 to 2001, is actually we called out the bullshit in ECW. We called out the, the wrestlers we didn't like. We called out the matches we didn't like. And it right. was apropos, even in that opening segment, most of the people in the ECW arena are smart marks. We know this. Most right. of those fans in the ECW arena 
just like uh, the Dallas Sportatorium. The fandom is part of the show, and they will call out the bullshit. And that opening match that TW was like, who is the bad crew and all that stuff? We knew that that match sucked. We knew that that was a wasted like five or five to eight minute match. But what made the match good was was Sandman coming out with the cane and hitting all six of them. Because you know why, TW? They were not going to get booked in the ECW. So, so okay. So that's the, that's question one. Because when he came out, I thought he was feuding with uh, Judge Dredd and the Brew Crew. Then I was no. going to ask you, do they not have tag rules? Because it was like a tornado tag team match. There was no semblance of organization. <laughs> so basically, there's a reason I never heard of the bad crew. I, I only know Judge Dredd because I know him. That's George. Mm-hmm. I kept looking at him going, is that George? And I kept thinking, why do I keep thinking George? No, George is Brimstone. No, George was 9-11, and he was an absolute sweetheart of a guy. And funny enough, he was tight with, with Sabu. Sabu mm-hmm. is who brought him in. So I'm going to assume Judge Dredd got used again in ECW, just not the bad crew. Uh, probably, yeah. I don't remember yeah. his career in the 90s th- that deeply because, again, I didn't care about him. Because, like I said, what I want to point out, again, and I want to reiterate this. We point out the bullshit. And that, that's what makes an ECW fan so good. And I can actually call out AAW fans. I'll call out WWE fans. I'll call out Impact Wrestling fans, New Japan fans, ECW fans. You know, maybe I might, I might be biased in this TW, but I think we're the most objective. Oh, what a word. I'm, I'm the most objective man. But we're the most objective fans in the history of professional wrestling. Again, I'm gonna agree the, and disagree with you. I'm no, gonna, no, I'm but let me let, let me just say what I let me say my piece because I want to say this because after watching AEW Revolution, after like reading all the social media and after all the fanboy, uh, you know, this is the best pay per view from top to bottom. This is the best pay per view in 20 years. God damn it, you know, I can love a pay per view, TW, and even ECW had pay per views. I love some matches, but there were some matches that were snorefests. There were some matches that you know. I don't care about even 20 years after the fact. There was, but that's the thing. ECW fans will point out the bullshit. You know, just for example, Tommy Dreamer was following the, the pattern of the baby face. He was smiling. He was kissing babies, kissing old ladies. And the fans of the ECW arena, Philadelphia, the hardcore fans who boo Santa Claus CW, they didn't like Tommy Dreamer like that. So Tom, right. what did Tommy Dreamer do? He got into the labs with Paul Heyman and they said, what can I do to, you know, you know, fix my character? What can I do to get the get over with this crowd? He went darker. And of course, having Scott Anthony, a.k.a. Raven, as a great antagonist to his protagonist made his career even more better. And that's just one example. But T.W. More better. Right. More better. But T.W. retort back. I, I know you said you agree and disagree. So what do you disagree with? I'm going to agree that they, like, okay, again, I was wrestling, so I wasn't, and it was the internet. They actually booed the internet in that opening uh, mm-hmm. interview, the the pop, the, the one I reasoned. We'll, we'll, we'll talk right. about that, too. So here's the thing. ECW fans, like, if I did enter, they, they liked ECW, but they also liked indie wrestling. So a lot of the fans that came to the shows that I was on were mm-hmm. ECW fans. Mm-hmm. But Make no mistake, they shit on all things WWF and all things WCW, just like AEW fans. The difference is you didn't get the shiny gold seal of approval just because you were on ECW. 
They rejected some motherfuckers, like you said, who Sandman came out. So I, I told you before, when I would wrestle on shows that Sabu was on or Taz, they would try to get all of us to let Sabu, like the main event would be Sabu versus Taz. So they wanted every other match to be Sabu coming out and beating the shit out of the guys in that match. The next match would be Taz doing it. And I said, no, I go, absolutely not. And Pee Wee Moore, who was a referee for ECW, that was also Sabu. Pee Wee Moore. That was also uh, Sabu's boy. I, me and him never liked each other. There was another more. He had a brother, whatever. We were fine in the in the big picture, but in the beginning, we didn't like each other. And he's. Mm-hmm. I think I told this story before. He's like, too hot, Tommy Wonder. How about too bald? He wanted me to let Sabu shave my head after clearing the ring of me and Rico. And I'm like, Abs-. I go, what do I get out of that? No. If it were on TV and I was getting paid by Paul Heyman be- without knowing the check was going to bounce, maybe I say yes. But I'm not mm-hmm. saying yes in taylor michigan in front of three people or you know it was more than three people there was three three four hundred people but absolutely but you go not. but you go back to taylor michigan all the time, all the time. so it would and not be a great business decision for yeah. yourself i can respect I that well, of course i might as well get a mask and a full body suit after that because no one's mm-hmm. going to take me serious and i knew that early that was my first year in the business so so yeah i didn't like that stuff but but the the, the thing since we're comparing to aew fans especially on twitter and uh I don't, I don't know how easy it is to get to call yourself a news on Facebook, but I always get the news, like that little button on the app where you can look at the news, and it's always wrestling stuff in there or football mm-hmm. or politics and, and maybe some Hollywood stuff. And I think it's catered to me because I like football, I like wrestling, I talk politics, and then Hollywood. Um, it, can, it, it reads your algorithms. That's why it's I, prone I, to that. I don't know how low the bar is set to call yourself a wrestling news site, but mm-hmm. almost unanimously, if the article is about WWE, it is not nice. It is in, in, in talking about Cesaro, everything ends with a shot at the WWE and that yet they're supposed to be journalists, right? Mm-hmm. Any article about AEW is 100% nut in their mouth. AEW comments, right? Nothing but. And mm-hmm. then, I don't know if JoJo Smith or whatever the hell his last name is listens to our show, but he's on the hustle page. This dude can't go five minutes without either putting over an AEW thing with a share a post or ripping on the WWE. So the thing I always write on there, and you always catch it, you, say, you either laugh at it or whatever, I always say, good thing you don't watch WWE. Because clearly he mm-hmm. fucking does. Because he talks about it as much as he talks about AEW, but he's always negative. Just And again, I don't want anybody in AEW to be on TV and get booed out of the building, especially both guys, because you're done, right? If AEW mm-hmm. won't take you, unless you sign with WWE first and they get released, then they'll take you for sure. Um, but if they won't take you because they take anybody, uh, good luck, you know, because of Dark and, and Rampage or whatever they do. Uh, job matches but my problem with twitter is and this is the thing that just makes them look like clowns to no end there's a term they use on there called wwe stan it, it didn't hit oh me no no no, the no. Other... there's another word for it it's called uh, i know what you're talking about wwe stands because if you're you're shilling for them but there's right. the other term is e-drones i love that right. one too i've seen it no no but but here's my here's my point about the stand thing that's what I did, and so I actually tweeted back to a guy. I go, "Did you do you feel good after writing WWE stand? Because I don't know how to break it to you. 
But the fact that you're writing it to someone criticizing AEW makes you the AEW stand. So if you're marking if you're if you're marking them with the scarlet letter saying they defend all things WWE like it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. what does that say about you when you're only on the thread because he's harping on AEW? You brought WWE in. You don't even know if this guy's a fan of WWE. He's criticizing AEW, something they did. So automatically you're a WWE e drone or a stand. And it took me until last week to realize they were saying they were Eminem stand. Like, I, I didn't get it. It's so cheesy, corny, and oh, 20 fucking years after the song came out, it's so dumb that when I read it and figured it out, I was like, oh, this guy's going down. So I, I just had to, I go, dude, you look 12 years old when you write WWE stand because most people reading it do not have a fucking clue what that means. I, every time I read it, I thought it was short for something like Stanislav Kaminsky. I didn't know what the, and I was like, I think is, is this is fucking Eminem reference. I'm just like, what the fuck? Then there's this motherfucker. It said Mindy. And listen, I'm going to take some heat. Maybe we can cancel for this. I don't give a fuck because I don't care in the big picture. But this particular fucking jack off, it says Mindy. It's clearly a dude. He's wearing makeup. And he's got a shaved head, and he's dressed like Boy George. And the tweet okay. was the tweet was ripping on uh, control your narrative, right? So there, mm-hmm. how's that for objective? I got fucking mad because of the criticism of control your narrative. Because I thought, fuck, you're you got such a fucking dick in your mouth for AEW that you're already ripping on shit that's not even started yet. Because they had one show, and it looked like it was like an introduction type thing, right? This yeah, they dude, did something in front of 200 people in a bar or something. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said dude, because I think their pronouns were she, her, him, E-I-E-I. Oh, I don't know, but this month, so I went to their timeline, and, and for full disclosure, I left them alone. Her, it, whatever the fuck, they, I left they alone. So I, I go to this thing, because I'm like, the tweet that caught my eye was sharing the, the control your narrative thing that was being shared. And it said, it referenced two or three things. Oh, it referenced that there was a cover band playing in the bar while their show was going on. Like, it's a bar that had two mm-hmm. different things going on. And it said something else. And it said, this is the whitest shit ever. And the person tweeting it, they were white as fuck, right? Other than the fucking pink, green, and yellow paint face makeup whatever the fuck it was that they were trying to do i'm telling you just picture boy george at 200 pounds so okay. one part of me the the empath if you will is like this person they ain't had the best life it's it's obvious like mm-hmm. i'm judging the book by the cover but also by the first fucking couple lines i read on that then i open this fucking they their tweet page it literally May as well have been that person with two throbbing, veining dicks in each hand saying that this revolution card had five to seven match of the year candidates on it. And then three mm-hmm. or four more matches of the night, which if you're not even matching the fucking night, how are you matching the year? So I don't, I just, and talked about, and, and this, it reminded me of me a little bit, because I always say I have a favorite band, a favorite singer, a favorite singer-songwriter, a favorite country band, a favorite rock band, favorite pop band. So I, I try to spread the credit. 
this motherfucker said, my first ever favorite wrestler, CM Punk, taking, no, my favorite wrestler of all time, uh, CM Punk, taking on my favorite wrestler today, MJF. And I just thought, uh, if Punk is your favorite of all time, today is part of all time, pal. So, <laughs> so my favorite current wrestler, then some other wrestler, he's like, the first wrestler I ever related to on a deeper level versus the wrestler that was my favorite indie wrestler, my first favorite indie. Every, and so by the time this fucking tweet's done, everyone on the show is his favorite something. And I just thought... I'm literally confused with what you this, just said. This day does not need me to make their life worse. So I left them alone, and I, I just backed out. But it, 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 it's AEW fan, super fan. I'm not going to say all their fans are this way, because Travis likes to shit on WWE, but it's only after he thinks I'm shitting on AEW. At this point, AEW is NXT 1.0, so I just, I just watch it. I, what else am I going to do? There's part of me for not liking certain parts of it. There's, there's quite no, a bit. There's nothing wrong with fandom reflectionites. Yeah. And, and by the way, and by the but way, you shouldn't have to shit on the other fucking no, brands. No, I give you, I give over. You, I give you that. And, and by the way, reflectionites because it is ECW. T.W. went to the extreme, and you can tell it in his voice. You can tell the verbiage that came out of his mouth. He was he was holding this all in for a whole week. <laughs> I love it. But anyway, neither here nor there. But I just want to say. This is why I picked this episode, because of that opening segment of six guys that mean nothing to me. Right. We called it out, and that's the beauty of it. We call out our own stuff within the, the brand that we love, because we know it's not a perfect brand. There was flaws in ECW. You could talk about the, the, the checks bouncing. That is a flaw. You can talk about, you know, the, the wrestlers you never heard of. That's a flaw, too. You can talk about, you know, the same match over and over again with Tajiri and Super Crazy. That's a flaw, too. I can call it out because I'm an ECW fan. But there's a flaw. But I still love it. Just acknowledge the flaw, and we can all get, you know, we can all live in harmony. But, TW, let me just point out the Sandman part because – Sandman was in a quandary in 1996, in the beginning of 1996, because before that, he was, you know, trucking along, you could say, being the ECW Tag Team Champion, being the ECW Heavyweight Champion, but he was represented by woman. And at this time, he was kind of like in a, in a crossroads, TW, because he was represented by woman, like I said, Chris Benoit's, you know, wife and all that stuff. But she signed a lucrative WCW contract in 1996, and she went to the Mega Powers with Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. So that left the bubble. That left like, what is Sandman gonna be represented? I don't know. I don't know how ECW fans thought of this, but you know, I just want to point it out because he, you know, I was used to that whole 1995 TW. He was with Woman, and Woman had that. She had that look. She had that mean look, and it just fits so well with Sandman. You know, he's the drunken idiot. But he was doing it for women. Now comes into the picture, and it, it didn't last that long because it only lasted to me in 1996 for like six months. Here comes Missy Hyatt. And TW, you know, Missy Hyatt is a vixen. We know this. She got right. the breasts. She got the ass. You know, we know there are stories about her in professional wrestling, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, all that <laughs> stuff. I'm not, I'm not here to judge it. But TW... 
I told you about women. It worked for the ECW crowd. I, again, want to acknowledge the flaw. I think Paul Heyman thought it was an easy kind of like substitution with Missy Hyatt because she's a known commodity. She's a known name, but it didn't last that long, TW. I gave it six months. It just didn't mesh. And then Sandman kind of like, you know, maybe, you know, the checks didn't clear for Missy Hyatt. And then she went on to something else. But it just, I didn't miss her after Sandman went alone. It just didn't mesh with me. What say you, TW, about what I just said? I know you didn't watch the product, and I'm trying to explain it to you. I'm trying to give you the visual that it worked with Woman. It just didn't work with Missy Hyatt. So Woman went to the Mega Powers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she uh, went, you know, she but not, was a special valet with Miss Elizabeth with the Mega Powers in 1996. Not and then, the Mega Maniacs. Not the Mega Maniacs. No, not the Mega Maniacs. This was WCW. Ultimate Maniacs. Ultimate yeah. Maniacs. Oh, whatever. Um, so, funny enough, when I saw her there, I'm like, I don't remember woman. Or, I, I didn't realize it was woman that was with him. But I was like, I don't remember Missy Hyatt being with Sandman. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay. So the other question I was going to have is the Harris brothers. This was obviously pre-DOA or post-DOA. Pre. Yeah, because they got long-ass hair and they're bald when they're in DOA. So so when I saw her, they seemed like they were perfect tandem. It was very X-rated, their mm-hmm. gimmick. But never a chance was passed up by me to put in my own story with somebody. I said this on the podcast before. So I was wrestling for the CWF in Warren, Michigan. And I mm-hmm. started wrestling for the ICW in Downriver, Michigan, because that's when I wrestled Edge and Joey Legend when they were Sex and Violence. Sex and Hardcastle and Joey Legend were Sex and Violence. So after I wrestled for them, CWF didn't book me no more. Well, Missy Hyatt was booked for a CWF show, and a day before, a couple days before, she canceled. Mm-hmm. So guess who was the surprise replacement? For Missy Hyatt. Uh, woman? Me, the king of the nighttime world. They brought me in, and I won the heavyweight title by sliding back into the company like I was Lex Luger walking out on Nitro, and I won the title from uh, Skull Gans. And, and they thought that was uh, feeling like for the people that were disappointed that Missy Hyatt didn't show up, they were rewarded by unannounced Calavera Cortez coming in and winning the title that night. So, so people who had boners were deflated because of Calavera Cortez. No, because oh. that's the thing about wrestling fans; they already don't get laid, so they knew that boner wasn't going to use with Missy Hyatt. <laughs> so they were like, "Holy shit, the king of the nighttime! That's one half of Los Ritos." It was really me returning as a singles guy because I was already, uh, I was attacked. I was Los Ritos. Okay, but I wrestled that night in my singles gear as just the king of the nighttime world. So it was a double shock. A, I shouldn't have been there. And B, mm-hmm. a tag team wrestler won the heavyweight title. Nice. Who, by the way, was about 50 to 100 pounds lighter than the guy I beat. The guy I wrestled is kind of not quite Scott Hall size, although he's the guy that takes the razor's edge from Scott Hall that was on Saturday Morning Superstars. They showed it all mm-hmm. the time where he got killed. That was the mm-hmm. guy that I wrestled. Uh, did you get Missy Hyatt's money? Or did you get paid the same? Oh. She would have got two hot dogs, and they weren't going to be on a bun. They were going to be inners. But anyway, I made that up on the spot. That's the deal. <laughs> Bada-boom, bada-bing. But no, I didn't get her damn money. I don't know what I got. Probably $50 or something. I don't know. But it was a good – the crowd popped for because they had no idea it was there. It's cool to, good. Be built, to be remembered, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Of um, course. Because I wasn't gone that damn long. And then 
because I'm wrestling as Calavera. This is this story ties all together. So then I go back to ICW. So they have me lose the belt. That's why I broke my collarbone. Uh, and a week after, no, no, I actually wrestled him as the CWF champion for ICW. That's when they got mad and they got rid of me. Mm. Uh, I wrestled Christian Cage and Rhino cost me the match because we were all buddies back then. So that's one of the reasons why I went and wrestled there. It's kind of like Adam Cole. All my buddies were there. So I went mm. over there to wrestle. Where Six all degrees the guys, of separation is, is a all great the guys thing. At CWF were the older dudes that were there when I started. And now that I was in their spot and they were long in the tooth, mm-hmm. you know, they, oh. they, they, I, I have no, I have no problem with the click, you know, being with a click of people that you trust that have your back right. business wise and whatever personal it, 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 wise. They were good. They were good. I never had a bad match with any of those guys and they can say the same thing about me. So it was, it was good. So for Missy Hyatt to be there and then she didn't last long. She didn't last long in WWE either. She was one of the first UWF people to go to WWE and she was, she, they put her in a magazine with like a dear Missy column first. Did you know mm-hmm. that? And yeah. then, and then, but they always try to make her out to be like this dumb blonde. And one of the jokes in the, in the magazine that it took me years and years to figure out what she was saying. She mm-hmm. says, you ever notice how, when you're getting in the car, when you get out of your car, uh, there's a song playing and you're like, man, I want to hear the rest of that song. And you get out of it. And then the next time you get back in, the song picks up where it left off. Like, and you're like, awesome. I get to hear the rest of it. The joke was that it was a CD. So of course it was going to keep playing. But she was acting like she was surprised that it didn't just keep playing in her car when she was out of it. And I remember reading that going, I don't get it. And then I was, cause I thought it's happened to me where I got out of my car and the radio was playing a song and I was like, damn it. Cause I had to get out. And then when I got back in later, that song was on again, and it's because radio has rotations. They play the same damn song every hour on the hour or whatever. But, gotcha. But I was a huge Missy Hyatt fan. Uh, this ECW run is probably post. Yeah, because I think the, the apartment wrestling shit was like late 80s, early 90s when she was doing that apartment wrestling. Like No, that was mag- 2000s. That was for her adult I'm, website. No, no, no. That's then. This is before the internet. This is in the magazines. You could subscribe oh, to a Oh, you're talking about AOL, oh, the AOL buffering thing. Okay, I got you. But that's this nine, before that's, that. This is when I'm a kid. They covered it in a magazine as an ad, and you could order the VHS tapes of women oh. wrestling in an apartment, and Missy and she was, was one of them. Oh, and God, I just remember oh. it being like, damn, she's a prostitute. I'm <laughs> like, what's happening here? Because oh, she probably never had no money. She's with John Tatum, who probably never made a dime. You know what okay. I mean? Like, no, no, John Tatum I, made money, but he spent it. You know, he's like me. He's spending the well, money at the bar and the toy she store. Made, like you said, she made plenty of hot dogs, but not a lot of money. But neither here nor right. there. But right. it just didn't mesh with the professor, and I'm sure it didn't mesh with the smart Mark I thought they looked fans. Well, again, you're looking at it for the first time from, from February of 1996. I've been ingrained in watching ECW, and the, the, the chemistry of Sandman and Woman just – work better than Missy Hyatt. Oh, and she, and well, remember, yeah. Missy Hyatt was coming off of the WCW run she had with the Nasty Boys, where she was the uh, dominatrix kind of thing. So she enhanced her sexuality. She ex- enhanced being extreme, you know, extreme sexuality. But again, maybe again, the, the checks didn't, ba- you know, the checks bounced with Paul Heyman, and she left after six months. But it helped Sandman's career because he was a, he then became a loner, and then, you know, the rest is history, as they would say. But now let's get into the other part 
of this ECW from February of 1996 that actually correlates CW with today. Now, today in 2020, Deuce, for all these smart wrestling fans out there who are ingrained in the Dave Meltzer uh, Wrestling Observers, Brian Alvarez's, what is going on behind the scenes that everybody is, you know, Everybody's trying to outwork each other, saying, I already knew this from Jump Street TW. I'm so smart that he couldn't even fool me. And right now, Reflection Nights, it's about Cody Rhodes. Did he leave AEW? Did he leave his position as the executive vice president? And is he going to the WWE? Is he going to debut at WrestleMania? Neither here nor there. You can draw your own conclusions, TW. This is not it. But why I picked this episode of ECW... Guess who made a surprise appearance for Flexionites? He was at, and the timing was so, was so beautiful because for the smart fan in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they did not know how real this was. Actually, maybe a week and a half ago, he was on a pay-per-view in Super Bowl. He called Kevin Sullivan Bookerman. He was on Clash of Champions fucking with Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Bobby the Brain Heenan didn't know what to do. They, quote-unquote, Eric Bischoff, quote-unquote, fires him, and he makes his appearance in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the lights go off and the lights come on. It is the loose cannon, Brian Pillman. That is Brian Pillman? Look at that face. That don't even match. Wow. Dude, it's psycho Brian. What are you talking about? He's that, look at that face. They messed it up. That is not Brian. To be that fair, is... he, was, he was dead, so they couldn't real scan him. Oh that God! Looks, that if, is, you were, look, if you were looking at it right now, it looks like Brian Pillman in person. No, I don't. I will. I, I. You two. You know, Tian Kupana. I know Tian Tian Kupana will have my back. That does not look at the face, Tian Kupana. You you agree with the professor, right? I'm telling you, if you were looking at it in person, it looks. That's what I'm trying to do it far away because all up close, yeah, it looks swollen and it looks like Brian Pillman in person. I promise you. It, it, looks like again, Freddie, it looks like Freddie Prince Sr. Know, from the 70s. Speaking of AEW, you want to know the worst part about that figure? What? I had to order it in a two-pack that came with a guy that I had no need to own his figure. So I have his figure, but it's in the lower rung. It is not in the TWHOF, which is Hall of Fame. This Mongo? Shit. Oh, Moxley? Okay. Because cool. he's unstable? No, that's mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose. He's unstable, so they mm-hmm. say unstable and loose cannon. They were like it was dream matched it, and uh, and it was like they were it was like they were trolling me, because guess who Macho Man came with? Uh, who? CM Punk. Oh, good. And you got everybody. Made, then they made Warrior with Sheamus, and then they made Austin with Punk, because of that video game mm-hmm. where past meets present. The yeah. The, the uh, what do you call the it? dream um, match that everybody wanted Austin against Punky? But let me yeah. get back to this spiel here, TW, because again, Cody Rhodes, you know, the smart fans out there, like, oh, Cody Rhodes is trying to work us. He's still with AEW, and he's gonna do some kind of angle, you know, creating a faction against Tony Khan and his AEW faction. TW, neither here nor there. I'm not trying to book it here. We don't have to say if it's right or wrong or indifferent. But Brian Pillman invaded ECW, invaded South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, invaded those 200 to 300 smart fans, TW, that know everything. They were ingrained with the Wrestling Observer. They were ingrained with the dirt sheets. 
So T.W., not what he said, but it's the ambiance there of 1996. Like, you know, a lot of people were spent, were, were calling 1-900-909-9900 numbers to get their wrestling information. I, I got my wrestling information from the Daily News in New York City from the Slammer who gave out some kind of tidbits. I know that 8-Track Brown, the Dirty Is City, called a special uh, 212 number, area code 212 number that was wrestling oriented every Friday at midnight to get his wrestling dirt. You know what I'm saying? So right. Brian Pillman going there, he had to try to outfox the smart marks because if you notice in that in that interview promo, TW, in the crowd there's this sign guy. I, I talked about this. There are there are celebrity fans in EC in the ECW free arena. There's the hat guy. There's the guy with the uh, porn porn stash, and then right next to him on his right is the the original ECW sign guy. And the sign this this is a guy who listens to the dirt sheets. This is a guy who subscribes to Dave Meltzer. His one sign had nothing to do with like kayfabing. He was being a mark. He told he. He put it up there. Brian Pillman, don't work me. So Brian Pillman had a lot to, to you know, Brian Pillman, TW, kind of try to explain to the Reflectionites, to the seven that listen, how <laughs> Brian Pillman is trying to outfox the marks. T, because that is, you know, that's a gift, TW, in my humble opinion. He knows where he's going. He knows the atmosphere. But, you know, he's, you know, Hindsight's 2020 CW, we know that he was trying to get the, the most money either from WCW or WWF, and eventually he got it from WWF. But Brian Pillman was working Eric Bischoff. He was working with Vince McMahon. He was working that ECW crowd. Paul Heyman didn't care. He knew he wasn't going to have Brian Pillman for a long time. So Paul Heyman was in on it. So what say you, TW, about that whole thing? Wasn't that the time where he convinced Eric Bischoff to release him so that he would go do all that and then come back and make more money? And they never went yeah. back? The initial plan was to, you know, act like he was fired, go to ECW, get his rep going to main event status, and then come back to WCW with a pay raise and then work a program for maybe like, you know, the world title picture or the United States title picture. But he was going to be on a higher level, you know, Mid mid to main event card. What's the right? And then what happened? Vince offered him a shit ton of money right away. Had no choice it. to. Yeah, he right. took it. And, and then uh, uh, Eric Bischoff was dumbfounded. But again, Pillman did what he had, he had to had do. In the ring was that he had the accident in between ECW and WWE, right? Mm hmm. So this is before the accident. Mm hmm. Because he had that cane, and I was like, is that cane because he had the accident? And then no. when he finally debuted on wrestling for WWE, he had the cast. That's when Austin came to his house and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He looked sick here. Like, like the whole time I'm watching it, like, I, I've said this before in the show. I'll say it a million times. The reason I got white boots with black soles and black laces, flying Brian Pillman. The reason I did slingshot clothesline, flying Brian Pillman. That mm -hmm. dude was, he's the guy, when I first saw him in WCW, came to the ring to Def Leppard. They had him showing flying helicopters and shit. <laughs> he, mm -hmm. And I looked at him, and he was basically Lex Luger thrown in a dryer. And I thought, I could be that guy. I can't be Luger because I'm never going to be six foot six. But I am six foot. And if I get my shit together, 
I had long hair. I'm like, I can be like Brian Pillman. So mm-hmm. I don't ever give him enough credit for the role he played in me when I started wrestling and uh, Intr- integral part of your wrestling. Re- absolutely. Like, like him, Brett and Sean are, and Austin are, are probably Luger. I had mannerisms from just from growing up being a huge Luger fan. So I taught with my hands and I did all that stuff that Luger did just cause of watching him as a kid. Whereas mm-hmm. by the time I started wrestling, I, I, I say this all the time. Lex Luger was my wrestling influence until I took my first bump. And that's when I knew, okay, Lex is not Bret Hart, right? But but he still had it. He still was, you know, he'll, he'll always be up there for me. Of course. Um, and so Bret and Sean were the guys where, and, and along with Pillman, where I thought, I can do that stuff. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I love being a heel and bumping because of Shawn Michaels. I love doing the high-flying stuff because of Brian Pillman. And I like doing the cocky stuff, like the methodical stuff, like Bret Hart with the forearm. I did something similar because I still think, like if I had, if you had to make me pick, I think Bret Hart is the greatest wrestler of all time. Sean and Bret are one and one A to me, but I, I just think if Bret didn't have so much, like he's very well respected. Obviously the guy I hate the most in wrestling loves the guy probably as much as I do or more, and that's CM Punk. Uh, I think if Brett didn't have su- such a history of complaining and calling people out, I think he would be – he is well-respected, but I think he would be even more respected because he's – like, who, who who is there? Like, there's guys where no one will ever say a bad thing. Dusty Rhodes. No one will ever say a bad thing about Dusty Rhodes because he never wronged anybody. And Brett uh, depends on who you talk to in the in the wrestling well, yeah, business with the yeah, K-Fabes. Oh well, yeah, well, but you know, I'm trying to say Ricky who, Morton, but you know there are just, people. They're, they're just guys that that's professional jealousies. I'm talking about personal relationships. Well, it's the same for Brett. But Brett, in his defense, most of the shit talk he did was in defense of himself. Someone swung first, and he was like, "Well, fuck that guy," and then talk shit about him, i.e., Ric Flair, or because Ric Flair. Dropped his belt. No, I, I get you, but where 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 are we going with Pillman? So Pillman, this, this is this is different. Pillman looks sick in the ring, and so mm-hmm. as I'm watching this earlier, I'm like, "Fuck, man!" It's, I, I, I think this is before the accident, but he looked skinny. He looked small, which could just been off the gas, whatever. And but he just he looked unhealthy, like drugs. Like that's what I was thinking the whole time. And Maybe. I just kept thinking, "Man, is this?" But. What he ended up doing was genius. He made himself so much money, and because he died under contract with WWE, I bet Vince took care of that dude's family, at least until the wife squandered it, because I know she had some many hard times after his death. But it's just, he, he was a genius. He was ahead of his time, like you said. You got all this stuff going on with Cody Rhodes. If it all is a work, it was a work done. It was The foundation was laid by Brian Pillman before anybody else. And then let me let me let me ask you this, TW, because you are wrestling in the indie scene in 1996, and you know that crowd of 50, 100, 200 people who feel like they're smart or they right. know what's going on in the business. So, what? I, I'm let me see if I can ask this question right. How do you outmark the marks in your days? What did you do? It's funny because so. One of the things that I figured out about wrestling, and if you don't want to know this, block your ears, um, is there's a formula. It's it's 
the beginning is the bad guy shines, mm-hmm. the good guy takes it, and then all of a sudden the good guy. So let's say me and you lock up and I bump you and I gloat. Then we lock mm-hmm. up again, I bump you and I gloat. Then we lock up again, you duck my third attempt. You bump me the exact same way I bumped you the first time. I get up, you bump me immediately the sec- second way that I tried bumping or did I bump you? And then third, you hit the move that I ducked you on. I roll out of the ring, bitch. The crowd sucks your dick and sings your praise, and you stand in the middle of the ring. Then at some point, I get in there, and I trip you and put your throat across the top rope. Or I, I cut you off by cheating. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the match is me beating the shit out of you, and then you trying to come back, and I stop you. Those are false comebacks. And then finally, you do come back, which would be a hot tag if it was a tag match, but it's you giving yourself the hot tag. and then. We go to the finish, and if you're winning clean, you win clean. If not, I screw you at the end, and maybe you do a high cross body, and I flip it over, hold your tights, and I win that way. But it looked like you were going to win. So when you do that in front of smart marks, they know what's coming. They're like, all right, he's going to miss this one, and then he's going to take over. So the guy, you're going to be stunned to hear this, the guy that I picked up from, from watching him in person, not from ECW, and started doing what he did with Sabu. Sabu mm-hmm. didn't do none of that shit. Sabu would hit two moves and miss a third. Then that guy would hit five moves and miss the fit or sixth. And then he Sabu would hit one and miss one. But it was never the the same scale of a match. And so when it was I this, it was never the same formula. That's what you're trying right. to say. So whenever I started wrestling singles matches, I was like, all right, man, I'm gonna hit two, miss one. You hit three. Uh, miss the fourth, and then I'll miss the first one, and then you take right back over, which is almost the same. But we just did spots. We didn't do rest holds. Mm-hmm. And we never did the same number in a row. And people were like, holy fuck. It was like watching a pinball machine because we were all over the place, and, and that's where the term spot monkey started getting tossed around. Like, man, you guys don't rest hold. And I'm like, bitch, I'm 22. I don't need a rest hold, right? Because, you know, you start getting mad with these old-timers because they're like, yeah, you work. No, motherfucker, pay attention to the crowd during my match. And then pay attention to the crowd during yours because they were sick of the formula. And they might not even have guessed, hit, you know, caught on to the formula. They just were bored. And so mm-hmm. you start – and that's that's what I mainly give ECW credit for is they made people change that you had to because you did it. You had to you adapt, you had to, yeah, adapt you had to, 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 to the change. You had to adapt to – Getting away from the mindset of what you're talking about, like a formula, this is gonna happen. Oh, I I saw this coming a mile away. We're right. in the we're in the in the year because we're, because of ECW, it has evolved. I don't know if you want to call it evolved or devolved, but that's neither here nor there. Re- regressed or regressed. It has come to the point where we're even we're trying to outbook the Booker. Either Vince or Tony Khan or either here, oh, yeah. neither here nor there. Armchair like, quarterbacking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the armchair quarterback booking. And now with Cody Rose, again, is he working us to stay, that he's staying in AEW and is going to do this angle with Tony Khan? Again, I don't know. Did he leave AEW? You know, did he leave all that money on, on the table to go back to WWE to be at WrestleMania? Who knows? I don't know what Cody Rose is doing, Reflection X, and I'm not trying to armchair a quarterback here. But like you said, Brian Pillman was the first not only to bet on himself like that, but actually work the crowd. He worked Austin. the promoter. He well, Austin did it. Austin did the exact same thing with the ECW. And three days later, it was in WWE. He didn't. Have no, no, success. no. It it no no. It wasn't. 
No, I have to disagree because when Austin did it, he was we already knew he left WCW. That yeah, he was right. going, he was definitely oh, going. In this in in this essence, Brian Pillman was the first to actually make you think, even though you knew what was you was hip to the business, Brian Pillman actually outmarked the marks. You didn't know where he was going. You thought he was going to go back to WCW. You literally you literally thought that. And if it wasn't for the accident, he was actually going to have a program with franchise Shane Douglas because they were planting that seed when Brian Pillman beat up that uh, jabroni uh, uh, guy in the front row who was a student of Taz's wrestling school. So, right. again, that's a fun fact right there. But the things he said, he took it to another level. You know, what was planned, Paul Heyman knew that Paul Heyman even told him, do whatever you want. But only Paul Heyman knew that he was going to go off the cuff. He was going to ad-lib. Joey Styles didn't know. Todd Gordon didn't know. Shane Douglas didn't know. And that was the beauty of it. Very few people knew what Brian Pillman was going to do. Paul Heyman knew, but that, that's how the beauty of it, TW, was. So I just wanted to point that out. You know, Cody Rose is doing one thing, but the fans are so, you know, half of them are going to be wrong. Half of them are going to be like, see, I told you this was going to happen. But right. in 1996, TW... He was like, wait, is he coming back to WCW? I don't see. You know, we are. I'll say this, TW, and then you can uh, close. We could put a ball on this and then go on to another thing from ECW. Whether you knew what was going you like I said, we were hip to the business. But this was, again, I think because I have to give a little bit of credit where credit is due to Eric Bischoff because he, he actually said this on those documentaries. Is like, I know that stuff was pre-planned. But that is real. Or that was, I did not expect that. So we were still in that kind of like uh, infancy, if you will, of the, that was planned. But I don't know if this, this is not part of the script, TW. That's the beauty of it that we can't get in 2020 deuce. Agree or disagree, you have a different take. Agree. But here's why people should have known he wasn't ever going back to WCW. Because it wouldn't have been Pillman that got in trouble if he was a WCW wrestler showing up on ECW TV, it would have been ECW unless mm -hmm. they didn't pay him and acted like he crowd, he hopped in the ring through the crowd. That's what got Robbie fired. Robbie was at the impact taping and they put his ass on screen and then WWF went bye and fired mm -hmm. him for being in the audience there because, you know, but then 20 years later, Rip Baker's in the audience when Adam Cole wins his belt and they put her on camera and they said it's his girlfriend, you know, they didn't do anything shitty or whatever, but she didn't get fired. But I don't right. even know if AEW was around yet at that point. Yeah, it was. It had, she had already done that press conference at the very least. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. but, but to know the legal ramifications, if any wrestler from AEW shows up on Raw, they're not under contract with AEW no more. Look what's happening mm -hmm. right now. Dumbass, crackhead, fucking in-denial alcoholic Jeff Hardy fucking went on TV and said, yeah, I'm going to AEW, and now he's got to retract it because this 90-day ain't up which means he can't even negotiate with AEW, and he basically just outed himself that he's going to AEW, which is tampering, mm -hmm. which is illegal. It's not just the fucking Colts can't sign a lion. It's period. It's it's You have a contract saying you are exclusive to us until this date, and you just said, I'm going to AEW, but he's like, I mean, no, it's a foregone conclusion. And so he, that's, that, he, he, he might have cost himself a couple weeks. You know, but then again, Tony Khan's probably like, I'll just pay the fine, whatever. But it's illegal. It's, yeah. And so, so basically, 
Brian and, and the flickering of the lights and then he's in the ring, th- that tells you that they're in on it because he's not got access to the fucking production truck on top <laughs> mm-hmm. of running to the ring. So, yeah, it's cool that it worked in 96, but it just goes to show you how s- not smart smart marks really are because mm-hmm. they should know the legal ramifications of a guy. Because, like, remember Rick Rude? He's live mm-hmm. on Nitro, but he's recorded on Raw. How's that right. possible? Well, it wasn't long after that. Monday Night Raw was no longer recorded, was it? <laughs> it was, it was mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, I think we need to go live now, guys. But and- it was very cool. I wish it could happen now. Um, the only way it's going to happen now is something like Ring of Honor, which isn't big enough, where those guys were released to their contracts but still were booked to wrestle on Ring of Honor shows. They could do it and then go back to Ring of Honor if, if, if like Mickey James, if Vince signed them to work one night. That's a that's a lot of money for Tony Khan to pay for, to try to get back some of those Ring of Honor contracts. But again, let's go on to something else within this ECW uh, program. You, I think you harped on it a little bit. We have to give credit where credit is due with a with an unforeseen tag team match. And again, the the beauty of ECW, well, it's a flaw, but I actually I love this. The gangsters. The gangsters, New Jack and Mustafa, were supposed to have a tag team match against the headhunters, who look like Abdullah the Butcher uh, cousins or whatever. But neither here nor there. Well, not they were in book like that. But you know that that was the running joke back in the nineties. Those were Abdullah the Butcher's. uh, No, they they no, (laughs) they were his love childs. But (laughs) because Abdullah the Butcher was fucking. But anyway, you know the flaw. And the beauty of ECW was the, I guess you could say the transparency because Paul Heyman didn't lie to his, you know, the paying customers. So we accepted whatever Paul Heyman said. So the greatest excuse you can give was New Jack got arrested in another part of town. We can believe it. It it was Atlanta. But, you know, of course, they're they're, uh, having a wrestling match in Philadelphia. But we wouldn't question the TW. We would actually say New Jack is crazy enough to do something stupid and get arrested in Atlanta. So we accepted it. We weren't pissed that we weren't getting, you know, we were uh, disappointed. Get, I wouldn't, I'm not going to deny that. We want to see the gangsters. We want to hear the music and, you know, we want to see the crazy shit that New Jack and Mustafa does with the, the garbage cans, the kendo sticks and all that, and the chair shots and all that stuff. But the excuse was so real, you can't say, oh, that's planned. It wasn't planned. New Jack got arrested or New Jack had, you know, whatever the case may, or had a court date. It's believable. It's real, realism believable. So they got a substitute for the gangsters. And who came back to the ECW Reflection Ice? Ron and Don, the Nazi brothers, the Bruise brothers. Now, TW, this was, this was before DOA, but this is after their run in WWE with Dutch Mantel, a.k.a. Hezekiah Walker. I forget the tag team that they were called, but you get what I'm saying. They had a they had a program with Lex Luger and the British Bulldog, the Allied Powers. They were like, you know, they were Eli country. Jacob Blue. Oh, the the blue the Blue Brothers or whatever. And Eli were, Jacob they Blue. They were managed by uh, Dutch Mantel, and he Dutch called himself Hezekiah. Yep. They called himself Hezekiah Walker, but it was after that, so it was a great pop for the ECW faithful. And again, TW, just like last week. You know, when you're a hardcore fan, the Bruise Brothers, we love the Bruise Brothers in ECW. We love the Bruise Brothers in Mid-South or, you know, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. 
and they didn't and Vince doesn't know what to do with the Bruise Brothers. I guess it's not marketable. Well, we don't have to talk about the marketing thing, but coming back to ECW, you know, it's like welcome back, welcome home. They had a, a impromptu match. It was a clusterfuck, and of course, TW. I, I want to explain tag team matches. There's no such thing as tagging. There's no such thing as tag ropes. Things happen. The referee is very lenient on, on all the rules. But the spot at the end was kind of was to protect the headhunters and to protect, you know, the mystique of the headhunters because they were supposed to have that, that match with the gangsters. So they did the double pin where a, a bruised brother was pinning a headhunter and a headhunter was pinning a bruised brother, but the referee was, uh, was right next to the bruised brother pinning. So the bruised brothers won. You know, it was a tainted victory. But what say you about that clusterfuck of a match? It was there was it wasn't a five star match by Meltzer standards. It was a it was a clusterfuck of violence, and that's what we loved about it. It's 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 weird you say it like that because the camera closest to the camera was the headhunter whooping the other guy's ass. So it just mm-hmm. looked like they got squashed. But then in the back of the TV, you see one of the stiffest super kicks ever, and mm-hmm. that guy pinning Abdullah number two. But what was kind of cool was, holy shit, that big bastard is doing a moonsault, but he overshot it. So it also unintentionally looks like because he overshot it and had to scoop back up for the pin, that's mm-hmm. why he lost. So it, they, they were protected for sure, and they weren't prepared to wrestle them. You had all the old cliches. We wouldn't even know we were wrestling these guys, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't even know who that other dude was. The guy was with him. Uh, that was uh, Damian Kane. Again, another guy who no- nobody in ECW cared about. He was trying to be this, uh, you know, hot shit manager. I think he was, uh, he's not a Smoky Mountain guy, but he was, I think he did something in USWA during that time in 96, So, he, you know, he went up and down the highways and byways, traveling from Tennessee going up to uh, I-95 to uh, Philadelphia, South Philadelphia. You know, you get an extra 50 bucks here and there. So, you know, they, but Damian Kane just, just wasn't that dude. He was, I'll put it this way, he's Frenchie Martin, if you want to understand, in, in the terms of managerial uh, priorities. There wasn't really that many managerial priorities in ECW. It was uh, Bill Alfonso and everybody was down here. There was Jason, and sometimes we loved him, but Damian Kane was the Frenchie Martin of ECW. That's that's the best way I can explain it. So let's go into another thing. Now, again, AEW Revolution uh, TW, we, we just celebrated watching a dog collar match with uh, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, against CM Punk, your favorite wrestler of all time. But we're not going to go into that. But during not this... Not one CM East- Punk figure. That's alive. That that's alive. That's that's a live reflection. It's it's in a different room, but that's neither here nor there. But anyway, there was a double dog collar match. It was the Pit Bulls against <sighs> Billy Ray Valentine's favorite tag team and an untapped potential tag team that could have been, that could have been a top ten. Ta- what what's timeout? Stevie Lee or Stevie Richards mm-hmm. and Francine. Is that who the girl was? Yes. They were fucking dog collar too in the beginning of that match. Mm-hmm. Cause he super kicked her or something or smacked her right. or whatever, and then he took the collar off and ran. So it was and it, and that was the pin. So it was a six man. It wasn't a tag. It was supposed to be that, but they were protecting Francine. But it was it was the effect of having the pit bulls and Francine. It was an intergender dog collar match. It was it was ahead of its time with intergender matches. But 
neither here nor there. We're going to focus on the pit bulls. And again, I want to, like I said before, I was rudely interrupted by TW. I did that. That's not rude. That is rude because I'm looking at it and I'm giving respect to the timeout. But anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> a untapped potential tag team that could have been top 10 if they had a, a longer run, in my humble opinion. Perry Saturn and John Cronus, the Eliminators. Maybe, again, this will be my biasness, TW. Maybe you don't. You thought they might have been boring. But the Eliminators, they were just... They were big dudes. They, they were semi-big dudes. They could have... I think Perry Saturn is like your size a little bit, but more bulky. But they're he's shorter so, than me. Okay, he's shorter than you. But the look and the stature that they had and, and how athletic they were, how dominant they looked, they could have been one of those... They could have been the tag team of the 90s and maybe the tag team of the millennium if they were together longer. But, of course, Perry Saturn went to WCW in 1997 because Raven, you know, wanted to take him with him. He went for the money, of course. The checks cleared. He got a big-ass pay, pay bump. I, I ain't going to fault him for that. You know, when I was an ECW fan, I faulted him for that. I said, you, you fucked up your career. No, he didn't fuck up his career. He had money coming in. So, but... Did he uh, manage his money right? No, he didn't because, you know, there were certain reports that he was poor, homeless, and, and begging on the streets. But, again, neither here nor there, TW. I'm not going to, you know, everybody has their demons. But you did – I know you didn't know the ECW uh, TV. You didn't know the storylines, but the Eliminators were that kind of tag team. That's how, you know, how excited you were for maybe the Brain Busters. That's how excited I was for the Eliminators. I'm trying to give you a great analogy on the Eliminators. What say you, TW, about this dog collar match? So Saturn and Cronus are the Eliminators. Yes. Right, Cronin. Cronus? Cronin? Cronus. K-R-O-N-U-S. And then the other two guys are the Pitbulls. Yes. Is it both Pitbulls are dead now? Yes. And Cronus. Yes. He is dead. Yes, he is. So three out of the four of these guys are no more. And the Pitbulls were pretty early on, right? Saturn actually went single because that other one died first, right? Like, or was he hurt? No, he, he left because uh, the, the it was uh, Bishop gave him a lot of money in 97. And Cronus Saturn. just stayed in ECW. Yes, yeah, Saturn. Oh, he, okay. So he left Cronus behind. I thought he got hurt for some reason. So I these two teams, I knew who they were. Um, it's It's almost tragic. Like, I think Terry Taylor recovered from being the Red Rooster. I don't think Saturn ever recovered from Moppy or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I get you. But they, that's one thing where I thought Saturn had a lot of potential. Saturn in, in WCW was, but I dare you to think I'm that short. Um, Saturn was somebody who had potential, but he had that crazy eye. And it's almost like that, that's probably all it took for Vince to go, nope. This dude's comedy. Oh, he had that right? one that you mean that lazy eye he had on the left side that it looked like he was looking at somebody else. Like Shawn Michaels eventually got, but didn't have when he was Shawn Michaels. Otherwise, the Shawn hair co- the, the-, the hair covered it because he always conveniently put right. the hair right by the eye that was lazy. And so, well, he didn't always have that eye though. It, it happened from an injury. My one of my best friends in wrestling, Larry Destiny, he's got it. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite moments ever, he's got the NWO sting and the. Cobra clutch, camel clutch. You ever mm-hmm. see that? 
where a guy has you in the cobra clutch but then does the camel clutch. Yeah. And a guy called him Lazy Eye Larry. He literally let NWO Sting go, rolled mm-hmm. out of the ring, smacked his fan in his face so hard that his hat stayed on his head but spun around sideways and then got mm-hmm. back in the ring put him back in the fucking hold and said, how's that for lazy eye? And the whole place was like, what the fuck? And I'm telling you, I thought Larry was going to jail that night. Nothing happened to him. Nothing mm-hmm. at all. And all I thought is, well, I know one thing. I'm never going to make fun of Larry's eye. Because if he got that mad that he hit a fan, and Larry was with me in Cleveland when I hit a fan, and uh, I thought I was going to jail, and he, he was going to pull the car up, and I was going to dive out the back door and get out of town. But, uh, but, uh, Saturn, like that's one guy where if I was Saturn's friends or family, I would be upset with Vince or whoever came up with the idea to make him fucking nuts with the mop and the fucking dresses and all that. Bishop didn't do him no favors either with his, uh, with being a a member of Raven's flock in 97. Yeah. Yeah, You know, all that stuff. And they try to like separate him and then just have this program against, uh, Ravens flocking in the WCW, but no one cared because the flock was so like so lower inferior. tiered. In, inferior, in, yeah, yeah. good word, inferior that it didn't help elevate Saturn's potential that we that you just talked about and that I saw and like I said, you know, and then he and did I this thing this with the radicals and all that stuff. Okay, Unlike go ahead. Terry Taylor, Saturn gave it his all. I mean, he did. He that dude came out in that dress and that he's got there. I got an action figure of him somewhere in that black dress. Actually, I might have sold it, but uh, I had it. He just he had a good look and he could go. He was like almost Rick Steiner like, you know, stature wise, mm-hmm. and and he could go and and it was just like man. And but when I watched this match to answer your actual question, it was nuts. And they kept like fast forwarding to other parts, like during the video that that I watched mm-hmm. and. Uh, I just remember thinking the whole match, like, man, I think I think at least two of these guys are dead. It's just bumming me out, and because the eliminate or the pitbulls probably could have could have went on to something. But the thing that stood out to me most was, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm 48 now, but I used to think Francine was the hottest chick I ever saw in wrestling, and she looked horrible. That was maybe pre boob job. That was pre boob job. But also, she had that swimsuit or nightgown, whatever the hell, that made her ass look so long that mm-hmm. she could have, like, 12-inch deep pockets on the back of each cheek, and just wasn't good. And then later on, isn't she out there with Tommy Dreamer, or is that the other one? That was the other one. Beulah McGillicuddy. Beulah but at Beulah the, at, for this, also skinny. but what was so infamous about this match was because, you know how you always talk about, like, Razor, Ramon, and the Razor's edge to one of your friends, and that was the opening oh, montage? Killed him. And the Eliminators killed Francine with total uh, elimination, and that became yep. one of the uh, spots in their opening video package for years second, to come. That was the second time they gave her one when she was in a dress, and then that one. Mm-hmm. But nothing was worse than the, the, the long-haired pit bull doing the power bomb instead of the bald one. And mm-hmm. then he did like a diamond cutter at the same time and just folded Steven Richards in half, dude. Like, And that wasn't a finish. Because they started fighting again, and then Francine pinned Stevie Richards. And I'm like, he's dead. Like, I, the way he landed, his body went sideways at the hip, not at the waist. And I thought, he's fucking so, dead. Before we get to the last segment and close this show out, I want to ask you that question. With what you saw wrestling-wise 
and again, harboring your, like, let's say, preconceived notions of ECW and seeing what Sandman did with no-name jobbers with the cane, and, and it looked like, you know, of, again, they weren't getting booked in the future. Did you feel vindicated with your preconceived notions, like they didn't protect Stevie with that move and Sandman with the cane to the head on, on no-name jobbers? The crew and Sandman had me going, yep, that's why I didn't want to work there. And then mm -hmm. that tag team match, because let's be honest, if I would have been in ECW, it would have been as Los Rudos. So I would have been in there with the bad crew. I would have been in there with, with the mm -hmm. Eliminators. I would have been in there with the Pitbulls. And I just thought, these fucking guys are killing each other. Like, But again, like, like you, you actually telling me something 20 minutes ago solidified uh, that I'm glad I never went there now. Because you just said there was no tagging. It was just mm -hmm. four guys fighting in there. Yeah. I don't know that Rico could have lasted long in that environment because I, and I, I love the guy, but everything had to be called. And that stuff looked very impromptu, right? And it's such chaos. It was very ad You could probably just call a spot right in the mask because it's so hectic there. Um, mm -hmm. And, I mean, we were smaller. Like, those guys were all bigger than us. There's, there's no two ways about it. Rico never hit 200 pounds, and I was barely over it, 207. So mm -hmm. I saw what they did to that dirt bike kid, and I thought, no, no, that would have been, that that fucking guy was bigger than me because he was taller. So I right. just thought when uh, nine one one or George uh, Judge Dredd when he threw him up in the air and gave him the Roddy Strong but without doing the back bump where he just mm -hmm. put him over one knee, absolutely killed him. That dude didn't even hit the ground with his knees first. He literally landed waist first on that guy's leg, and then right. when he did him over the second rope or over the you know like the hot shot like putting mm -hmm. him over the top rope the guillotine fucking killed him on that that might have been the kid not knowing how to take a bump right bmx kid could have been some dude selling merch in the bag they're like hey kid how'd you like to get in a squash match because he didn't get no damn offense he just got his ass beat so yeah there was a lot of stuff in this episode that made me go nope but what i did notice and i have enough faith in myself that i think in inevitably i would have been one of the boys i wouldn't have been the dirt bike kid mm -hmm. uh i noticed Dreamer and Raven take care of each other. Saturn and the Eliminators take care of each other. Like they're doing that to the new guys. They're doing that to the job yeah. guys. It's the hazing. It's the hazing aspect. Yeah, it's the hazing well, aspect. I, no, of no. It's at that point, and this this isn't ECW exclusive. It's Nasty Boys. It's Ron Simmons and and uh, Bradshaw. It's disrespect. They don't mm -hmm. respect you, and their mentality is. They're going to teach you respect and that, mm -hmm. you know, Bruiser Bedlam, I've talked about him on here before, Johnny Canine, he flat out told me in the back, he said, kid, you get one of these. If you don't take it, you're not getting another one. Like he, he was telling me, he fucking loved us, man. Johnny Canine, he, he'd see me and Rico just light up and go, Rudo, baby, Rudo, and he grabbed his belly in. You know Johnny Canine is a smoky mouth yeah. guy. Mm -hmm. um, he loved us. So he was Dark always. Dark side of the ring. They had it. He was him. always just throwing me advice without me even asking he's just like this is it kid he was if you don't take it you're not getting it again and he goes and worse yet you do it to me i'm hitting you harder for the rest of the man like like he's gonna beat some sense into you and i didn't mm -hmm. wrestle him he was just telling me hey if we ever get in there look for that if you don't take it there ain't gonna be another one so right. i respected that and so when i ended up wrestling manny fernandez i took shit he wasn't giving shit i took it and that mm -hmm. dude respected me when it was over because I stood my ground and I didn't let him eat me up. So right. I like I, I, I do think the ECW guys like like we've watched ECW many times to do this show. 
this is the first time we watched it where there were job guys, you know, mm-hmm. like guys who clearly were not respected. Yeah. But it, this this episode was more storyline driven. Right. And speaking right. of storylines, we are closing this Reflection Nights with the few, you know, what may put ECW on the map, the feud of the millennium or the few, one of the top 10 feuds of all time, Tommy Dreamer and Raven. By this time in 1996, Tommy Dreamer has stolen Raven's girlfriend, ex-Playboy Centerfold, ex-Penthouse Centerfold, Beulah McGillicuddy. And at this point in February 1996, Beulah is supposedly pregnant with Tommy Dreamer's kid. So, you know, and that, the funny thing, TW, is with that storyline, it is so taboo that I don't know why, but it's like a Jerry Springer episode or a Maury Povich <laughs> episode. But you know what happened in cer- certain markets because of this storyline? And then not to mention the supposed lesbian uh, affair that Beulah has with Kimona Wanaleu. All the syndicated uh, markets that were airing ECW around this time at 3 in the morning, you know what happened, TW? They canceled them. They canceled them for months because of this particular angle between Tommy Dreamer and Raven because of what they did with what the enhancement of the story of Beulah McGillicuddy and Kimona Wanalea. I just pointed that out. In New the way, York, they canceled Kimona, it in New York. Kimona Wanalea, well, it's the most liberal state of them all, unless it's mm-hmm. California, but it's close. Kimona Wanalea is the hottest chick I've ever seen in my life. When she came out, I didn't know it was her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I got to ask Professor who this chick is. I'm like, is that woman? I kept trying to see her face. I'm moving like I could get a better angle on my TV, even though I'm looking right at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and then finally I saw a little glimpse. I'm like, oh, that's Kimona. I'm like, I yes. didn't know she was with Raven. Yeah, she was. She I thought was she the- was with Sandman. No, no, no. She was the replacement girlfriend for Beulah McGill. Because, of so course, Raven can no, she was there like a couple of weeks before that, you know, doing it, the stripper stuff, doing the stripper shit. Okay. But I'm just trying to explain to you the storyline, how it, you know, it enters into 1996. And of course, there is a there is a uh, gentleman's agreement between Tommy Dreamer and the franchise Shane Douglas, who just came back to ECW Reflectionize after an abysmal run as Dean Douglas in 1995. He, his job was to protect Beulah McGillicuddy at all costs. So what happens to end the show, TW? The Bruce Brothers betray the trust of Tommy Dreamer and attack them and join Raven's Nest. And that's how we end ECW. And the funny thing about this, TW, is a couple of, I think about a month or two months after this, I actually went to the Lost Battalion show where it was Tommy Dreamer and the Pitbulls against the Bruise Brothers and Stevie Richards, and that was where I got introduced to ECW. They came to me, and my brother loved it. My father loved it. I, I. So you didn't see this live? No, I didn't see it live. No, that was silly. No, I, I meant, I meant live, like when it was on TV. You, no, I, you got into wrestling two weeks later. No, no, I, I got it. No, like I said, it got canceled a little bit, and then it came back. And you okay. just had to find it. It was, right. but it was just funny that they canceled it because of the angle. It was so funny that it, it was so intriguing to me how ECW, even with a two a.m. time slot or a three a.m. time slot, it got canceled. In one of those weeks, I was like, "What the fuck? Where's my ECW?" And, and then it came it's, back. It's wow or glow, which is 
even more sexual. <laughs> like, and, and, let me, and, and let me just say this before TW puts a bow on it and then we get out of here, Ref- Reflectionites. That's why ECW fans, and I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna say this again. This is the theme of the show. Is way better than AEW fans. It's way better than WWE stands because we, you know, fought for our promotion. We fought for that 2 a.m. time slot. It might have not been the best time slot. Uh, I, get, I, I get you that TW. It's not a it's not a money maker to to have a wrestling show at 2 a.m. But we just needed something. We just needed to be on the air. We fought for it. We fought for pay-per-views. We fought for the video games. We fought for TNN. It was our promotion. We were the cult followers to Paul Heyman. He told us what to do, and we did it. I don't care. You know, that that's – I wish Paul Heyman ran, ran for president because that's – you know, we would have been cult members. But TW put a bow in it so we could get out of here. What did you think about that ending scene and then anything about ECW that caught your eye? Uh, the ending scene, I had to rewind it twice because it happened so fast. It was a don't blink moment. Uh, Raven mm-hmm. did a pretty good promo. I couldn't stop looking at Kimono and Wanalea. Why don't not. they make figures of her, damn it? Um, and, you know, sad. I think WCW four, made it. It was I forgot her name in WCW, though. Four years away from being 30 years ago. That hurts, right? That fucking hurts. Because she's probably an old man. Oh, old man. Old lady right now. Uh, but I no, she, she, she probably is in her 40s, in the late 40s. So she's ten. No, she probably was like she probably was like eighteen at that point in nineteen ninety six. What? Well, how old is she? So now add twenty six years to eighteen. Never. Yeah. Fifty four. Fifty. Fifty two. Fifty. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, but it's still good. That that's but still good. She kept it together. She kept it together. But of course. Uh, but it was good, and it was. It, and, you know, the whole time those Blue Brothers came out, they kept saying, Tommy Dreamer brought them here. That's their friends, blah, blah, blah. And so it was uh, – it's weird. I'm looking at my figures, and it says on Kushida, first time in line. And I'm looking at Matt Riddle, and his doesn't say that. And I'm, I have both of his figures, so I think it might be a third one I don't have. But anyways, um, it was good. And it was a good, fast-paced show. You actually found one that had the commercials edited out, so it was 45 instead of 62 or whatever the hell. Um mm-hmm. And again, it was everything was boom, boom, boom. And there was another comment I was going to ask you who the other guy was. It was like they were grooming another Joey Styles, that blonde dude. Oh, Jason, about- J- it was uh, either Jerry or Jeremy Wright. It was, but he. And then at the ringside table, it looked like he was the the timekeeper. Was that Joe mm-hmm. Gertner? He was way skinnier. Yeah, that was Joe Gertner. He looked like uh, Buster on Amer- Arrested Development. That was before uh, he, he started eating the burgers. Yes. He oh, was skinny. how do we not? What the fuck? How do I dare you to skip by the actually most intriguing match of the whole damn card was Mr. Hughes versus 72 Dudleys. Not one of them is Devon. I don't Holy care about that one. Shit. Was, D- was Bubba Ray fatter than hell? Of course. And he kept doing the running. I'm like, what? Like, if you look at that guy in 1996, there's no way in hell you think he goes on to be the guy he goes on to be. That guy looked like a real-life version of the dad on Family Guy. He like, was not some – his character just – and that's it. And what a way to put a bow on it. His character just got over with the crowd because we loved it. The Dudley uh, gimmick – was so sideshow. We didn't care about dances with Dudley. We didn't care about Dudley Dudley. We did care about Big Dick Dudley because he was the biggest guy. Devon tried to, you know, 
we were we were paying attention to Devon Dudley, but we all gravitated towards this port portly guy who looked retarded and danced and who was a nice guy. And that was Bubba Ray Dudley. And then you see the maturation of Bubba Ray Dudley, understanding the psychology of wrestling. And then of course they in you know they, they shortened the Dudleys because you didn't need like ten hundred Dudleys. It got kind of redundant. There's actually no Spike out there either. Yeah, it it got down to Devon, Bubba, and then Spike, and that was your Dudley boys. And that's what we known for 30-plus years. Those are our three Dudleys. Big Dick Dudley, he's in heaven. He died. I don't know what happened. Yeah, he did die. I don't know what happened to Dudley Dudley. I don't know about Dances with Dudley. Sign Guy Dudley, you know, of course, that's um, the, the Paul... Uh, Paul E. Dangerously wannabe. He did that. He was Louis E. Dangerously in the in the latter part of ECW. But I didn't want to talk about because it, it was kind of a stupid match. But it was neither here nor there. Right, and again, Mister Hughes, who who no way, shape, or form fit in ECW at all. He comes out against people's faces. He goes, "Fuck you, motherfucker!" I'm like, "That's why he's there, right?" And then mm-hmm. he loses the bubble, but it was because Big Dick hit a clearly gimmick fucking crutch because crutches are usually metal. And that was a clearly gimmick. But you know how bad that match was? He did the crutch, and, and the referee was trying to act like, I didn't see it. I didn't hear right. nothing. It, you know, again, here's here's one of the flaws of ECW. The referees didn't didn't were trying to look stupid, and right. he was trying to do those old formula things where the referee didn't know what was going on. Right. It just didn't make no sense. That's why. The, but you know, here, here's what you could say, though. Mr. Hughes hit him first. So mm-hmm. he just hit him back. So Mr. Right. Hughes invited him into the match, if you will, and that, that's he cost Mr. Hughes. But I just couldn't believe, A, how big Bubba looked. He looked young as fuck, too, um, mm-hmm. and how silly he was. Because look at him and then look at him as aces and ace leader, right? right? Which is amazing to me that they think he would have a Hulk Hogan-esque reaction to being the leader of the aces and ace uh, Come on, you could have you could have brought anybody else in and it would be like, whoa, you know mm-hmm. that guy. Um, but but yeah, he's come a long way. It actually made me respect him a little bit more because he's not one of my favorite people. Um, like I like Devon more than I like Bubba Ray, but I didn't like the Dudley Brothers as a tag. I didn't. He, I didn't he paid it. he paid his dues. He learned yeah. he learned the ins and outs of he the business, he and got he got better. better. That and. Yeah. And with that, Reflectionites, we close on this special episodic episode. I was happy about watching an ECW episode because I'm an ECW mark for life. So, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. The Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us. That's PWC Network at Podbean.com. They host us, right? That's who hosts us on there. Mm-hmm. Then you have us on Twitter at PW Reflection. You have JB at the the P1JB. God, could he pick a harder thing to say? Um, I mentioned Travis, so at Nuts and Bolts PCW wants to know how the GM mode is on WW2K. Um, our good I man, don't play, Ray, I don't play those at, games, so I wouldn't know. I got it today. I got it okay. today. I don't play GM mode, but at Big Ray Hernandez. Uh, mine is at Tommy Wonder 19 for all things, and at the Tommy Wonder for wrestling and popular culture. I actually just tweeted a guy and said, most AEW fans watch everything. WWE fans only watch one brand. And I just wrote, ha, 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 mm-hmm. That is the funniest thing I read on Twitter today. Because most AE fans, AEW fans say they don't watch anything else. But we all know they do. So he's kind of right. Um, 
Snapchat is number wonder. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Dum Dum Duel and an idiot on YouTube. Soon, soon we're doing some stuff. And then cool. Big Veto Brand is Big Veto Brand. .wixsite.com and patreon.com backslash the big veto brand and of course you can find me on my twitter at pwhustleprof that's pwhustleprof if this goes on the youtube find it on the pwhustle networks and of course follow my brothers in arms mr infinite friends himself billy ray valentine at ob when you know me and the king of the reactions eight track brown at eight track dastly and next week tw we're gonna do we're going to go back to the movies. We're going to do a double feature because we've seen these movies. We don't, We actually don't need to even see the movies because you already know it by heart. But we want. I want to at least celebrate it on the wrestling spectrum. We are going to do a Jesse the Body Ventura double feature from 1987. We are going to talk about Predator and The Running Man. And the reason we will talk about those two movies was more actually wrestling oriented than you actually think about it. So, T.W., get your popcorn ready. Get the sodas ready. We're going to celebrate a double feature movie style. With you ready to laugh? The, what? I've never seen Predator. What? And I saw Running Man once when it came out. I literally, I thought I literally gave I you an easy time. assignment. I got time on my hands, and I'll watch them because I got plenty of it. Okay, so. well, I, I, enjoy. I'm actually dumbfounded. I'm not... See the realism here. He actually I've got another me, one. I thought it was it was an easy assignment for TW. Like like, you know what it is? Is like you you think everybody has seen the movie, but you actually show me that nobody sees not, not everybody sees the movie that you think you see. But Running Man has got Richard Dawson in it. He's the right. game's host. Yeah, that's that's all you know. But at least rewatch it again and enjoy. But it there's a wrestling oriented reason why I want to talk about Jesse Ventura and those two movies in particular. But we are what, going what to the movies. Watch first? No, watch both of them. It doesn't matter which one, but just watch both of them, okay? Right. So with that being said, we're going to go to the movies. We're going to have the popcorn, the soda, and the hookers, and the coke, and all that stuff, and blow, the 50-inch plus Hookers and blow, and, uh, you know, whatever. But neither here nor there, but we're going to enjoy the movies next week here on the PW Hustle Networks at FiveBeam.com. And for that, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Frankenstein himself, T.W. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight, and we will see you next time here at the PWS Networks at PaBeam.com. See you next time, Reflection Nights. Boom! Adam Cole, baby.